Welcome to Making Movies is Hard, a podcast about the everyday struggle of being an independent filmmaker. I'm Alec Purcell. And I'm Timothy Plain. Each week we discuss a different filmmaking topic and give you our point of view, not as experts, but just as two filmmakers trying to figure it out for ourselves. Good morning, Timothy. Good morning, Alric. Uh, how, how are you doing today? Uh, feeling pretty low energy, so I don't know how this podcast is going to turn out. <laughs> Have you, is all your, your, your creative energy been sucked out by the drudgery of everyday life? Is that what's happened? Mm, I think it's because <laughs> I took some time down for Thanksgiving and didn't think about stuff for about four days mm. and really just kind of turned my brain off from the filmmaking side that now that I've kind of taken a break from it, I was like, that's pretty nice. I kind of want to take longer break and <laughs> there's only like three three weeks left in the year I'm like eh, filmmaking can wait till next year you can make a movie like, you can make a movie yeah. in those last three weeks you and know? I, actually i had a dream last night about this movie idea and i was like oh man that's perfect i'm gonna tell Ulrich, let's go shoot this movie it's gonna be so awesome the the basic premise was that you were santa claus's like protege like his assistant uh-huh. and you were training to like replace him and then during that night that you were training to be santa claus like some crazy shit went down that's so funny <laughs> but now that i woke up i realize it's a bad idea that's the second reference to santa claus someone has made to me in the last three days oh you're like definitely like got the santa claus look going yeah that's what people keep on saying um <laughs> how do you feel about that i don't know i feel like i'm not as fat as or old as santa claus so uh, oh no you're like a budding santa claus like it's like you're on your way to becoming santa claus <laughs> i'm like santa claus jr <laughs> yeah you're like 40 years from it <laughs> that's funny one day i'll be uh jolly enough and uh have a wide enough beer to be Santa Claus one day. Yeah, exactly. That's why you're the trainee. That's so funny. Yeah, but uh, you know, I'm I'm feeling like I don't know, like I really want to either do like a little quick little project where I just do it in a week, like just shoot a movie or something, or mm-hmm. I want to like be actively taking steps towards getting my next short made. Um, so those are sort of like the things I'm thinking about a lot now. Oh, and. Uh, you know, we talked about this, but I haven't talked about it on air, but I, and it's not official yet either, but I'm probably going to be script supervisor on another, on another movie in, uh, the, the spring. So that's cool. It's cool. It's Do you a, know how many shoot days? Yeah. Like 21 or something. Oh, wow. So that's yeah. Like- it's a lot more like the one I did was 15. Um, so this is like six more days. Uh, they need it though. I mean, they have a lot of locations. Um, <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it's, it should be really fun. It's, it's, I'm really excited about it. It's making, it's, uh, you know, bringing your prophecy to, uh, to life, to truth, your whole, like, I'll be stuck being a script supervisor prophecy. <laughs> but, uh, but no, I think it, I think it should be a lot of fun. I think I'll learn a lot, you know? Um, and it's going to be a bigger crew. It's going to be like 40 to 50, I think. Uh, oh, wow. yeah, it was at least that's what the word is. But uh, I don't want to say much more about it because I'm not officially on it, and uh, I don't know how much the producers want to talk about the project yet. Uh, Do you believe in jinxing a project? Like, if you say something about a project too early, that you might jinx it? Oh, like if I say, "Oh, I'm I'm maybe gonna get this thing," and then like, yeah, and then it'll just go away. Um, oh, I don't know. No, not really. I mean, I guess uh, (laughs) it's probably not appropriate to talk about things that you're not officially signed on to, you know. But uh. I don't really feel like it's jinxing it, you know, it's, it's either, yeah. I think like, I mean, I am a, I am a superstitious person, but I kind of believe in some level that it's either going to happen or it's not going to happen. 
and nothing to do with if you say it out loud or not. Yeah, I mean, you don't want to be like, well, I guess I am kind of, you know, screaming on top of a mountain by doing it, saying it on the podcast. <laughs> but uh, I mean, I didn't. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe maybe it won't happen. Who who cares? But I'm sorry I put that in your head. I asked because <laughs> there was a director that I knew that was unwilling to say any opportunity until it became a reality. Because he felt that if he said it out loud, especially if he's excited about it, that it would jinx it. Mm. And I don't know if I really feel that way. I haven't really felt that happen in my life. But I guess, you know, I guess people become superstitious about lots of different things. I guess my counter to that is like, I, I try to talk about the projects that I want to do uh, more uh, than I probably should. Just because if I talk about it and I tell people about them, then um, it's like holding me accountable to make them happen. So right. I feel like if you like want to make this great movie or whatever, or even a short film or whatever it is, and you're, and you're keeping it to yourself and you're not talking about it, you're not saying anything, uh, it's probably less likely to happen than if you're like telling people about it. And like, well, they actually did a study on this and they found out that people who don't say what their hopes and dreams are, are more likely to make them a reality than people who talk about it all the time. Because mm. I think the theory is, is that if you don't tell people, and you kind of keep it inside, then it's like you kind of keep that dream alive. Whereas if you talk about it, it's almost the same as it being true. Huh? Yeah. But I don't, I don't feel like that between like you and me, we talk about stuff that we're pursuing all the time, but we actually follow through with things. Right. Where I think a lot of people just talk and you know, we know a lot of people like that, you know, they talk and talk and talk. Oh, I want to make movies, but then they never actually make a movie. I'm not saying like you should talk and talk and talk about like, oh, I want to make a movie and I want to be a great director or whatever. I'm saying you should talk and (laughs) talk and talk about like, I've got this idea. This is what the idea is. This is how I'm going to execute it. Um, And if you do, you talk into it, if if you talk about it in actionable terms, I think that's going to get people around you who you're talking to it about to like want to try to help you, you know, and like give you ideas or say, Hey, well, I know this guy who's like, let's say you wanted to make a movie about like a talking chicken. Uh, right. and like, Oh, well I've, I've got a friend who works at a butcher shop and they have all these chickens that they don't need cause they go bad or whatever. Like you can, uh, go get one of their chickens, you know, and have it be your talking chicken. Like, well, you know, whatever, you know? Um, <laughs> I love that. That's, that's your example. I just, it just popped into <laughs> my that, head. Talking chickens. Yeah, that's it. I think also that study had to do with people who wanted to start their own business, oh. which is, you know, it's different. I think you're right with filmmaking, especially the more you tell people what you want to do, the more opportunities just seem to happen because yeah. people don't know you don't, you want to make movies just by looking at you. Maybe this kind of goes into our topic of the week about like how you present yourself. But like I found that the more I told people I wanted to make movies, the more opportunities came because they're just like, Oh, I didn't know you want to make movies. What kind of movies do you want to make? And a lot of times it'd be like, Oh, I've already made some and here's some of my movies. And then they'd be like, Oh wow, shit, you made movies. That's cool. Like I know this filmmaker, I know this writer. And it's like how introductions get made and how you get uh, chickens for your movie, things like that. (laughs) Right. Exactly. So So it's true. Totally true. I agree. Like you have to tell people. Yeah. What you want to do if you, if you want to get there. Cause, you know, especially me starting out in facilities at my ad agency, I would have never gotten out of that job if I just didn't tell everybody I knew that I wanted to make movies and also was making movies and showing them to people. Yeah. And then you did that, that film, film festival within your company and all that yeah. stuff. I mean, that's all really, I mean, you did actionable things and you were right. talking about, you were like doing it and talking about it. So yeah, I think that's sort of, part of it too is like you need to be 
actively working towards it. I was actually just talking to somebody about this the other day. Like, you know, if someone says, I want to be an investment banker, and then you ask them, like, well, what have you done to be an investment banker? Have you gone to school? Have you read about it? Have you talked to any other investment bankers? And if the answer is no to all those questions, <laughs> right. then uh, then you don't really want to be an investment banker. Then you're just right, sort of like, talking about it. How serious are you about it? Right. <laughs> Um, but, uh, the other thing I wanted to say about this was just like visual visualization. And I know this isn't really as much talking about it, but this is something I've done, uh, for a while now is like visualizing, uh, having the things I want, um, whether it be like, I really want to be a PA on this big show that's in town, or I really want to work, um, you know, at one of the big production companies or with some of the big local filmmakers, you know, whatever. Like I, I've done this at different parts of my life. And, uh, then in some way or another, it's come true. Like I, you know, did work on that show and, you know, I kind of, I think I was visualizing about Pixar, but then I ended up working with Francis Ford Coppola. So, you know, I feel like this whole visualization thing is really important. And I think that's one of the things I'm struggling with because it's hard for me to visualize how I'm going to become uh, a successful filmmaker. But I feel like I just need to like have some idea of what that's going to be in my head. And You've then told me several times what that looks like. Right. True. You told me that it's just <laughs> making making movies and making enough to live. And it doesn't right. even need to be a lot of money. I think you just said like just the bare minimum to survive and pay rent and get food. It doesn't need to be any luxurious lifestyle. You just want to make movies. So that's what it looks like. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, how does that, how does like, how does the making the money on the movie actually look like? <laughs> like, how does the, you know, I made a movie. Oh, wait, I'm going to make it, sell it to a distributor and I'm going to get a big check. Like, cause I, from what I've heard, this doesn't really happen very often, you know? Um, mm-hmm. but I think it's like, yeah, I kind of want to get out of this. Like, that's what I've heard sort of thing and like actually and actually do it. Do it. Yeah, exactly. Or even fail at doing it so I can succeed doing it later. I don't know. Well, do the exercise that Andrew did with me. Like, how much money do you think you could raise if you put your own savings? Ask your friends and family. Ask people you know. How much money do you think you could scrounge together to make a movie? Well, I think I could e- uh, not easily, but I think I could get probably like somewhere around fifty thousand together. Um, okay. But I think the plan would be to get the fifty thousand together and then bring that to a producer and be like, "Hey, here's fifty thousand dollars I raised for my feature. Uh, help me raise another." 150,000. Well, or the problem whatever. with that plan is you're relying on somebody else to bring bring it to life. I think what I was going to say is take that $50,000 and now can you make money with it? Mm. Can you make a movie for $50,000 that you can then make money with? Like think about how Robert Rodriguez was thinking when he put that $10,000 into El Mariachi. He was like, "All right, I'm going to make this movie for 10,000. I'm going to sell it to a straight to video distributor and hope to make 20,000 on it and then reinvest that into another movie." So it's like if you can take your 50,000, turn it into 100,000, give your investors their 50 back or give them 75 like whatever you feel like put a business plan together so that way you can like start building and and increase your budgets a little at a time 50 to 100 to 200 to then half a million until you get to where you want to be for the alternate and instead of the alternate being the first movie it could be movie number four or five right your plan but i mean i think like there's nothing wrong with relying on other people. I mean, you know, obviously 
it's like, yeah, if that doesn't work out, then I can always do the other plan, you know? But how are you going to know it doesn't work out? Because you're going to try. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, but at what point, how many years do you try before you go, mm, this isn't working out? Because well, that's the thing. Not years. It I will mean, take years. It's going it, to, putting a, a movie together does take time. Right. I mean, from the time you like go out with the finished script to the time it gets made, like the guy who did blue valentine it took him 10 years to make that movie you know like you have to decide are you willing to do that too like is that the movie you want to wait 10 years to make or should you just go out and start doing it and almost be like i, I can keep joking you're the roger corbin of the bay area but you could be like if you could figure out ways to make money on movies you could achieve your dream of making movies and making money doing it uh, if you're in control of it rather than relying on other people to come in and, and help you. Right. But I mean, you know, like I saw, so I, I, um, I met a local filmmaker who also has his own production company, um, you know, in the Bay area. And I had a conversation with him and, and his story is basically exactly what you just described. Like yeah. he, he wanted to, um, the make his own budget thing. Yeah. He like wanted to make his own movies and he tried, he made a movie, tried to get it distributed, had a really tough truck, time getting it distributed and so he's like well shit i'm just gonna you know create my own distribution company so he put in 10 years of creating this distribution company and he <laughs> didn't make a movie he just created this company and now he distributes all these types of movies and everything and yeah. now he's like back to directing like 10 years later yeah. and it's like well why the hell do i want to become that guy when i can like work with that guy or somebody else you know and like direct movies and then have him do the distrib distribution part of it. You know, I don't need to be a all in one person necessarily. Uh, I, I don't mind the idea of being like a Roger Corman type guy, you know, but uh, mm -hmm. I don't think I really want to take on the responsibility of ha having the distribution arm of it too. Like I'd rather make a deal with a, distrib a distributor, you know, and be like, Oh, here, I'm going to produce these movies, you know, um, you know, will you be interested in, in selling them? You know, like here's, yeah. here's five scripts, you know, like are these that's movies? Even, that's even different from what you described before where you're like, I'm going to take a little bit of seed money and go find a producer and try to raise even more money. Like uh, my, my feeling is, and the reason I'm bringing this up is because for the, I've been kind of tr relying on somebody else to propel my career over the last 10 years and I've been making projects that are so big that I have no control over them and I need somebody else to jump in and help me out. Mm -hmm. And it's frustrating because it hasn't happened. And there, it obviously happens to, for some people, but for others it doesn't. And my warning to you is don't wait around for somebody else to come help you. If you can, if you can be in control of your own destiny, you're going to, you're going to achieve your goals faster than if you're, trying to have trying to get somebody else involved in order for it to happen is i guess guess what i'm saying well it's not like i'm gonna raise fifty thousand dollars and just like wait for a producer to to meet me to no like, i know, know but you're gonna try to get a producer on board and you don't know how long it's gonna take of course in your dream of dreams it's gonna be immediate and fast and satisfying but for a lot of films it takes years before yeah. it all comes together. But I think so a lot of people don't don't necessarily go to producers with fifty thousand dollars or a hundred thousand or whatever. You know, like they don't start with an amount of money necessarily. You know, like that's like this conversation with some. I've had this with a couple of different producers, yeah. and they basically say like everybody has a script, everybody's made short films. 
You know, that's what everybody who I meet, that's what they come to me. They're like, Hey, I got this just great idea. Like, help me produce it. Help me raise the money. I got this great idea. Help me produce it. Help me raise the money. So this is what like every production company, every producer is hearing. But if you go to them and be like, Hey, I've got a movie. I've raised X amount of money, like $50,000. He even said like 10,000, 20, whatever, you know, like that separates you from everybody else immediately because you've actually put some time in to like, you know, get your, your, your thing started, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not like I'm going to wait for one, like, I'm not going to like, Oh, I need to have Jason Blum, like be my producer. Like that's the only producer I'm going to work with. You know, it'll be like, no, I'm going to talk to a hundred producers, you know, in a period of however long, like a few months and, you know, see if one of them is interested in making this thing happen. And I'm sure, like, you know, I'm sure I'll be able to find somebody who's interested in that idea, you know? Um, but I mean, I think you're right. Like having another plan where it doesn't involve other people is totally important. And I don't think that I want to put it much at that much weight into the alternate. Like, oh my gosh. Okay. Like this is such a great idea. I'm going to make three other movies before I have enough money to make this movie the right way. I'd rather just like make the movie that I'm passionate about now and then, you know, build towards the next movie, build towards the next movie. So, I mean, if the alternate has to be a $50,000 movie, then it will be a $50,000 movie. But, you know, I'd rather see what I can do first, explore some of these other options first with different producers and just see, see what's up, you know? But I don't think that just because you're relying on somebody else that that's necessarily going to, make it not happen you know it just depends on how it no, depends you're just on how you attack you're just it. stacking the deck in a way that makes it harder for you to make a movie the if you need other people to make your movie then it just means that you have all these other hurdles to get over so yeah raising money is gonna set you above all the other people that have scripts that need a producer but then you're still going to be competing with everyone else that a producer is interested in working with. So let's say, okay, they do want to, they are interested in it and they do try to help you. Then they have to also convince investors to jump in on it. And maybe after three or four months, they're going to find out that nobody wants to invest in that movie. And then you're back to where you are. As long as you have like a, an alternate plan, I think it's good. If you think you can make the alternate for $50,000, then you have a backup plan and it's not worth it. My problem has always been that I've written scripts that are too big for me to do on my own. They're always like $20 million, $50 million. Like I I couldn't do it on my own. I couldn't just go raise $50,000 and do it. But now I'm kind of like waking up to the fact that's like, you have to be able to do it yourself, especially in today's day and age where all the tools are available to us that if you're waiting for some, if you have to wait for somebody else to say yes to give you permission to make your movie you might be waiting a long time so it's better if you if you can like grab control of that and do it yeah absolutely yeah i think that you know doing it is so important you know you don't want to wait forever for the right uh things to align like you you need to just take control of your own destiny but i do feel like i really want to collaborate with people like i don't want to be in a situation where you know like I have to produce my movie on my own for $50,000, you know, like that seems a little daunting, you know, I'd rather yeah, like bring nobody, in some good people. Yeah, Nobody wants that, but I think you should just, you should be prepared to do it. And I think you should be prepared to sell your own movie, be prepared to distribute it yourself, like have a plan. I think 
half of being a independent filmmaker is also being a business person. Unless you have a business person partner, which I don't have, I, like I feel like I'm kind of forced right now to like think about that stuff and like be able to put a business plan together, be able to raise money myself. I feel like I have to do everything, and then hopefully by just trying to do it and learn it, then I'll prove to other people that I am making something happen and then I can attract people that know better than me to come on board. Yeah. Well, the look, the lookbook, the budget, you know, um, all those things are things that I already have like partially done for the movie, you know, yeah. uh, they need to be finished obviously, but, uh, you know, definitely always thinking about, I mean, and maybe this goes without to me, I guess it goes without saying, but you want to have your materials ready. You got to inspire people, I feel. And like part of that inspiration comes from like materials that that you put together that show them what the movie's going to look like. So it's not just words on a page. And I also, I really believe that you need, people need to feel like it's going to happen with or without them. They oh, got to yeah. feel like the train's already moving. Like if you, if it feels, if you walk into a meeting and it feels like you need them, I feel like that's a different energy than if you're just like, I'm doing all this cool shit. Um, it's going to be awesome. It's happening. And then they're just like, wow, how can I help out? That's how it always seems to have happened to me. It's like people say, how can I help out? It's not even me asking them to help out. I'm just telling them about the cool stuff that I'm doing. And then they offer to help out. Mm -hmm. So I think you have to just make it feel like something's happening. And then people want to be a part of that. If you if it doesn't feel like anything's happening and you're waiting for somebody to make it happen, I think that gives off the wrong kind of energy and and makes it harder to happen. Yeah. you want You want the train to be leaving the station. Exactly. Yeah. Um, cool. Choo-choo. Choo-choo. <laughs> well, uh, do you want to get into some of these things for the topic of the week? You want to outline this for the lovely folks out yeah, there? Yeah, where did this come from? Where, how did we decide to talk about this? Um, I think it was sort of born out of, um, the. well, I think you had on our list of things to talk about, like how to dress. And then I was like, well... Well, why don't we talk about how to like present yourself, you know, like as a filmmaker, if you're, and you were going through those meetings at the time, I think. And I, yes, I like think, a few weeks ago. Yeah. And I think it's important, like, you know, well, I don't know. Is it important to, 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 to think about how you present yourself as a filmmaker? That's sort of the question. Like, you know, do you need to have some sort of brand or vision in mind of who you are as an artist or should you just like walk in there, be yourself, do what you feel like. And, and that's all that just right. your personality is what's important, you know? Well, and it goes back to that episode a few weeks ago where we were talking about who are, who are you as a filmmaker and defining yourself as a filmmaker. And I, I met up with somebody and they were, they kind of had strong feelings against kind of defining yourself as a filmmaker and they said no you're not selling yourself as a filmmaker you're selling a project which is true for the most part i think you normally do go into a meeting with a project and you're just selling that particular project but i had to sell myself as a filmmaker a few weeks ago when i was approaching production companies about being a commercial director and especially in the commercial world directors are defined by what they do well like there's a, a website that you can go on at and you can search for directors by what they're good at. So here are some of the categories. Visual storytelling, comedy dialogue, um, human, what is it called? Like humanity. <laughs> um, you know, there's like all these different little categories that directors fall into and they get hired for those kind of jobs. 
it's very like it's it's very hard to be a director that does more than one category and i don't i don't know how directors can get in that range because usually a creative team or a client wants a director that can do a certain type of thing huh so when i went to production companies i really had to like define who i was and the first i did six meetings and the first few meetings i really didn't have uh, a really strong sense of where i fit in yet I was just kind of listening to people and those meetings didn't go as well as the later ones when I started getting the sense for what people saw in me and where I fit in. And then I started selling myself and saying, this is who I am. This is where I fit in. This is the kind of work I want to do. And this is my value to you as having worked in advertising for 10 years as a producer. This is, this is what I bring to the table, proving your value beyond just your work. I think, I think is important. Yeah. That's kind of like my experience with it recently. How about you? Have you had any experiences recently where you've had to sell yourself uh, or present yourself as a filmmaker? Well, I've been thinking about this and I don't necessarily feel like it's something that I, it's not like, oh, I have this meeting. Like I need to sell myself as a filmmaker to this person. It's more Mm -hmm. like throughout life, when I talk about being a filmmaker and what I'm doing, it's like that conversation is sort of, you know, what I, what I kind of attribute this to, you know? And I feel like, I don't know, like I try not to make it too, like I don't try, I don't like, I'm not over, I'm not like selling, you know, I'm not like, oh yeah, I'm like the best filmmaker in the Bay Area. Like I made this movie and that movie (laughs) and oh yeah, I'm the best and whatever, you know, like I'm more like, just talk about it in more humble terms. Like I've, I'm a filmmaker. I'm making, I'm you try. I'm making movies. Like I got I have one online. You can watch now. I've got another one that's coming out soon. Trying to make my feature, raising money. You know, more in that kind of humble. Like yeah, you know, like I'm, I'm just doing my best. It's a hard thing, but I'm, I'm uh, yeah. out there doing it. And you know, I've got some things going on, and I'm really excited about the future. And, and sort of, I, I'm more in that kind of tone. Kind of like describing yourself. To yeah. somebody at a party. Exactly. Oh, what do you do, Ulrich? Oh, I'm a filmmaker. Right. Oh, that's cool. So what do you do? And then you just say it. I feel like, you know, we said this earlier on the in the episode, like putting things out into the universe and just saying it out loud. And sometimes that creates opportunities. I feel like the more specific you can be when you're talking to people about what you're doing, the better chance you have at it opening a door. Yeah, like I always talk about like science fiction and horror being my niche and I always I always say like not stab stab horror but more like psychological horror, you know? And <laughs> and when I say that people you seem to get a, a reaction, you know, like they like they, they get a good visual of like what I mean, you know, because I think when you say horror a lot of time people are like, "Oh, that's too scary. Like I could never watch one of your movies." Right. And it's like, yeah. "No, you could actually you could. It's not uh it's not saw, you know. I'm I'm not doing hostile over here. It's a it's a little different, you know." Yeah, I think it's all it's all about like just being comfortable with who you are and what you're doing. And I think the worst thing that you can do is like when someone asks asks you what you do and you say your day job or like, you know, <laughs> like, oh, I work in video production. Like I used to say that a lot and I'm trying to break myself out of it. And I think because before I was really I wasn't um, confident to call myself a filmmaker uh, really before strange thing, you know, because I was like, I made a couple of movies, but they're not real movies. Like I'm not really a real mm-hmm. filmmaker. Uh, but then one strange thing was done. And especially when it was online, I kind of felt like, yeah, I can call myself a filmmaker. And I think by then I had like, I was working on another project, you know? And so it's like, yeah, I am a filmmaker. I've made multiple films. 
And I think it gets people thinking about you in a different way than if you were to like say, oh yeah, I do some video stuff now and then, or, oh, I work right. in video production and, and like, oh, so what's your day job? And it's like, oh, video production. They're like, oh, really? Oh, I didn't get that. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, it's funny. Like, and I don't think it really makes a big difference where I am. Like if I'm at a film festival or at anywhere, like I kind of try to, I just, you know, I just, kind of am the same about it you know i think the only difference is if i was in a meeting with somebody and i'm trying to like sort of sell myself as a filmmaker and i did this recently uh not that recently like six months ago and um it really wasn't that much different than how i normally am i was just more talking about it in a more in a more direct way like i was like saying like these are the type of movies i want to make this is this is my the idea for my my feature that i have and I think that was pretty strong, you know, like I wasn't necessarily like, didn't like outline myself perfectly as like, this is the type of filmmaker I am. Mm-hmm. But I think in describing the premise for the movie that I'm, that I'm really passionate about, I think that helps because then people can see, get a good idea of what you're trying to do. If you yeah, like, tell I, them that, one idea. I think that goes to being specific. Cause it, I think if you can say like a specific thing that you're working on and it is like, I need a talking chicken. <laughs> and somebody's like oh my brother owns a puppet company and they have all these chickens that they've just made for this thing and they're trying to figure out what to do with them you know it's like it's the more specific you can be the better the opportunity a lot of times like i feel like if you talk generally about something like oh i'm looking for actors for this movie that i'm casting and the movie's about this people might know an actor that's perfect for it but they're they might not make the connection. And if you mm-hmm. just like even start naming some names, oh, you know, I thought, you know, Nicolas Cage could be good in it. Or, you know, you name like three actors. You have a better chance of that person being like, oh, I know Nick Cage. I'll introduce <laughs> you. Then if you're just kind of wishy-washy talk about, you know, I just need actors. And this happened to me once. I'm trying to remember what it was. But there's some situation where I was like being very specific about something I was looking for and uh, somebody said oh I know that person and it was just like crazy it's like how come they didn't make the connection before mm-hmm. I had, like mentioned those three people right well you know I mean it's funny I think it's like it's just a human thing like people aren't yeah. necessarily thinking about it in, in those terms you know and then it's until you actually say it out loud and then they're like oh yeah <laughs> Wait, what am I talking about? Like, I know this, you know, and I've seen yeah, it happen exactly. to me. It's happened to me you know too. What I'm saying? Yeah. I, I don't know what the context was, but I've definitely had that experience where people are just like kind of jogged and, you know, they're like, oh, yeah, I, I know, I know some, somebody who does this or something, somebody who does that or whatever, you know? Yeah. Um, I definitely believe you. That, and that goes back to what, yeah, exactly what you're talking about. Like, just saying it, like, you know. Just say it. Just yeah. Just put it out there. You don't know. Yeah. I, I, I guess the the day the fear is that you just don't want to sound like you're so full of yourself, right? Right, right. Uh, I'm a filmmaker. Yeah, I make movies. That's awesome. I'm cool. Yeah, no. Is that what it is? Because I, I kind of it. Sometimes I feel a little shy about saying saying it. I think it's. I think it probably works into that, and I think it also just works into like everybody's a filmmaker, you know, especially in film school, <laughs> you know, like. Right. Or like when you meet anybody at like a filmmaking event, like everybody's like, oh yeah, I want to be a director or I'm a director, you know? And it's like, uh... so for a while I wasn't saying I want to be a director uh, either. I was like saying, oh, I want to be a producer or I want to do this or I want to do that. But I I recently also just, it was around the same time when I decided like, you know, I'm going to call myself a filmmaker. I was like, you know what? I'm going to just say like, 
I want to, I'm a director. Like I want to be a director. That's what I want to do, you know, and just sort of own it, you know, because if, if you don't own it, then people aren't going to really take you seriously. So I think owning it is, is sort of important, you know? Mm-hmm. Do you feel like there's any situation right now in your life that brand is important that you need to sell yourself as like a horror and sci-fi director? Or do you think no one knows you well enough that it doesn't really matter? Um, uh, I don't know. That's a hard question to, a- to answer because I, I feel like, I mean... Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I think it'd be nice if, if most of the stuff on my Vimeo page was all horror or science fiction related, you know? Uh, right now it almost is. Like, there's just one project that isn't really. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I think, I think it helps in the sense, like, when you're meeting with people and like you're talking about the stuff that you've done. I feel like being like, yeah, I made this horror thing. I made this science fiction thing. I made this sci fi horror thing. I think that just sort of helps to, for people to take you more seriously and be like, oh, yeah, this guy knows what he wants to do, you know? Um, right. Well, I think to that point, you've made several movies like that. And then the feature film that you're sitting on is also in that genre. So right. it helps kind of connect the dots and build the story around you. Because I think that's all we're talking about is like creating a story, a narrative for who you are as a filmmaker, even if it's just a temporary narrative to help sell your next project. Yeah. We know already that there's other scripts that you're interested in that aren't horror and sci-fi based, but you'd have to build a new story for who you are in order to get that movie made. Or you need to say, I know it's a departure from where I've been, but this is how it fits into what I've already done or something. You know, it's like you kind right. of have to you know, craft that narrative. So I think because you have the alternate that is sci-fi horror, slightly horror, then you can build it into the movies that you've already made and and help kind of show people the thread and where you're headed, which is good. Yeah. It's funny, the brand thing. Like, I, I people say brand all the time. Like, what's your brand, you know? And, and it's a lot for entrepreneurs when that's... Yeah, like, totally. That's yeah. how they talk about it. But I think I hear our actors and filmmakers talk about it also. And to me, what I've sort of boiled brand down to is just being yourself. Being yourself and putting yourself <laughs> out there as yeah. the most authentic version of yourself, you know? Like, I think uh, we were talking about authenticity the other day, and I think, like, yeah, it's really important. Like, you need to be authentic. You need to be who you are. I think the minute you try to be something that you're not, uh, that's the minute when it, 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 just is, it just feels false, you know, or feels wrong. That's the um, thing, and you feel it even in advertising when, like, a, a brand is trying to, like, brand themselves too much. It just feels false. <laughs> right. <laughs> right? right, exactly. So, I don't know. I, I, I feel like my answer to the whole branding question is just be you. Yeah. Do you, man. You know, as Drake says, I'm going to do me, you know. <laughs> do you. <laughs> that's cool. So, I I'm totally agree with you. I think we went down the rabbit hole a few episodes ago trying to like define ourselves as a filmmaker and mm-hmm. it was fun to do, but it also is kind of unnecessary to do because you really just need to focus on kind of creating a narrative to help propel your next project. And when you talk to people, like just kind of connect the dots for them showing how you're leading up to this next thing. But like website and Twitter and Facebook, like your presence on there, I don't I don't feel like it's important for a filmmaker to have a brand on those and yeah. say, this is who I am. This is, you know, hear me world. I think it's just important to have your stuff in like a really nice package. So people look at it and go, Oh, that looks cool. Like, yeah, I want to watch that or I want to be a part of that. 
but it doesn't have to be like a perfectly curated like brand just be yeah like you said be yourself be honest to yourself do what what you like yeah i think it's a good exercise for us to be thinking about how we define ourselves as filmmakers because i think yeah it, it definitely got me thinking a lot about about the movies i make and the stories i want to tell and stuff like that and i and i think it's useful like even if it doesn't actually change anything that you're actually doing yeah i don't know why but <laughs> right <laughs> yeah i don't know why either I thought I think it's kind of a good exercise and I I think it's important to stand for something. Yeah. You know, and that's you know I know this is off topic and we can totally cut this out, but I mean that for me what a point of view means is that you stand for a you stand for a certain type of storytelling or you stand for a certain type of performance or like you just believe in something so strongly that you're not willing to waver from it and then like people who don't believe in anything they aren't going to make good movies so i think curating your point of view is kind of like what do i believe in what do i believe makes a really good story being strong about that and following those decisions through and not just kind of like oh you know i'm not really sure and yeah i'm gonna try this i'm gonna try that and try a bunch of things but at a certain point you have to be like all right i've tried a bunch of things and now i know what what's good and what's bad and i'm just gonna like only make good stuff now and my point of view is good stuff is this <laughs> good stuff is this yeah that's I, I, good stuff is this that's sort of like how i feel like good stuff is good stuff you know like it's hard yeah. to say what good stuff is so how about the way you dress yeah how about the way you dress is that this is, how, this is where this episode is born from just like yeah is, is the way you dress important well here let, let me sort of break down some context for what how i'm thinking about this and and sort of like what I've heard from other people, like the, the script notes podcast, they did an episode where they talked a little bit about this and they answered, answered some questions from some people who are writing in like, well, I'm a writer and I like to wear suits with a, with a bow tie or, yeah. or whatever. But like, you know, writers are normally like jeans and hoodie. Like, <laughs> does it matter that I like to, like I'm more comfortable in the suit? Like, should I dress down because that's what other people expect of me? Like what's up? And, and I kind of feel like, what did they say? Wait, what was the answer? Well, I think their answer was like, you know, you should just, it's more important for you to be comfortable. You know, it mm. is true that yes, like writers don't generally wear suits and in some <laughs> rooms, like if you're more, if you're more overdressed than the executives are, like that might make the executives uncomfortable for some reason, <laughs> oh, you know, hilarious. Yeah. but uh, in the end, like you should just do what you're comfortable with. And that, if that's what you're comfortable with, as long as it doesn't feel inappropriate, you should just mm -hmm. do it, you know? Hmm. I think that's a good answer. Like dress how you feel comfortable. I think that's really important. But I mean, you do need to like fall within the general parameters of society, you know, <laughs> like you got to like wear clean clothes and, you know, you can't have ripped jeans or anything like that. You know, I think like it just, just basic, casual, nice looking clothes. But I think most people dress pretty good these days anyways. So I think the average person's dress is probably fine, right? <laughs> I don't know. What, what do you, how do you feel? Think about this. I think that people judge you pretty quickly when they meet you. Like, okay, if you're an outsider and you walk into a room with people that live in a certain world and they don't feel like you fit in, it's going to hurt you. Hmm. But I think if you're comfortable, it'll probably go, you know, a long way towards offsetting that 
that feeling that they have. And I'm only talking from an advertising perspective because I just I know that there's like a certain frame of mind about how people should dress in advertising. And you can definitely feel like if somebody doesn't feel like they belong, it definitely like changes the mood of things like clients dress a certain way, creatives dress a certain way, you know, and if you're not dressed like a creative and you're dressed more like a client, people aren't going to respect you as much. And what's the difference between a way that a creative and a client dresses? <laughs> um, if I were to like kind of be stereotypical about how like a creative dresses, it would be like they would be wearing expensive versions of casual clothes. So like the $100 t-shirt, the $200 pair of jeans, and the like super fancy sneakers that like haven't have barely been walked on. And then the client would be wearing like an oversized button-down shirt with khaki pants and some like really bad sneaker that they've been wearing for like years. You mm. know, it's casual, but it's like business casual. Whereas like the creative looks cool. They're like dressed like Justin Timberlake. Huh. Interesting. But what if you don't care about that kind of stuff? Like, what if you're just like, I like to shop at thrift stores or let my wife do the shopping for me or I take hand-me-downs from my older brother, like, which are all <laughs> true for me in one case or another. But, uh, I mean, is that going to matter, you know? like are people I think it just like, depends. It depends on the context. Like, I've, I just feel like if you came, like, if okay, if me and a group of creatives went to go meet a director for the first time and he was dressed in, like, khakis and an oversized button down we would just be like dude that that guy's weird like why is he why is he dressed like that he would just feel like out of place but if he was dressed in like crisp jeans and like a designer <laughs> um a pullover like hoodie you like, know with a nice one shirt. of us right yeah hey dude welcome welcome to the club we're all we're all pals like we could hang together like yeah. that's what it is like can can we hang and have a beer together yeah. Or is this guy like super uptight? Like, does he button his shirt up all the way to the top and wear a bow tie? Is he kind of stuffy? Like, you kind of <laughs> just, you know, you judge people like right away. So I think if you're an outsider and you're walking in, like, you should, you know, you're not should. I mean, that's a bad thing to say, but I think it only helps if you can kind of follow the dress code of the culture that you're entering in. So should you do like a little bit of uh, spy shit, you know, like Jessica <laughs> Jones style, like, like look into like, see what they're wearing before you show the, up. That's the thing is like, you're not going to know unless you're part of that community. Right. <laughs> like, how are you going to know? Like when I first, when I interviewed for Goodby for the first time and I knew nothing about who, what that company was, I walked in like in a full suit. Mm. Cause I was just like, I don't, I'm going to a job interview. I'm wearing a suit. I st stood out so bad, like, cause no one was wearing suits. But at the same time, they're like, that's cool that you wore a suit, that you're like respectful, or that you're taking this job interview seriously. Yeah. I've so, definitely done that before, too. Like, wear a suit to an interview and then be like, wow, you wore a suit. I'm like, yeah, yeah. gotta do it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. The dress thing is, is, interesting i think you can overthink it i think just be yourself yeah and the same thing is like you know i think part of this question was should you dress a certain way when like you walk on set 
Like, should you should you dress like a director, whatever that means? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. It's like you know, because there's certain there's certain people who like they do the whole suit thing. That's like a very Christopher Nolan, very mm-hmm. classic traditional way of doing it. Like you wear a suit when you're directing. Yeah, David O. Russell here has like just a few J. Crew suits, and he wears them every day when he's directing. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not really sit down with the whole suit thing because I feel like I can't really move <laughs> as well in a suit and. <laughs> I I mean, I don't really want to separate myself. I mean, I feel like as a director, you're already separated from everybody because you are the director. Like, I don't think that you need to be separated in even more necessarily. I think David O. Russell's theory is that it sets the tone that this is a professional job and he takes it seriously. Right. But I think there's also the other side to it was like, I feel like the more sets that I go on, the more practical I am about what I'm wearing to a shoot. It's like, oh, you want yeah. shoes that, like, Converse are the worst shoes to wear in a set <laughs> because you're always stepping in something that's wet. And I've been on, like, too many shoots where, like, by the, by like, hour two, my shoes are soaked and my socks are soaked. And I'm, like, super uncomfortable. So it's like, wear some sort of shoe that's not going to, like, get soaked wet. Yeah. And then it's like, you know, and something comfortable that you're going to be able to stand in all day because you're not going to be sitting that much and wear something warm because you, a lot of times you're outside and yeah. it's, it's like super cold. So. Always layers for sure. Yeah. It's set. just like it ends up being just like a practical thing for oh, yeah. shooting to me more than it is like style. Yeah. I, I like wearing lots of, uh, you know, I have lots of pockets, you know, either in a jacket or <laughs> right. pants. Cause like you always need to put something in your pocket, I think, you know? Um, and I don't know. I, I love my nerd shirts. I'm like a nerd shirt guy. Like I just have a million <laughs> different nerdy shirts. So I just usually wear a different nerd shirt every day when I'm on set, you know? Oh, what's this, like this t-shirt with the blazer business? Like what, when did, when do you decide to wear that outfit? I don't know. Just, is that uh, like a film festival outfit? Uh, yeah. It's, it's so it's, I think it's sort of born from working in, in uh, like this entrepreneurial school because a <laughs> yeah. lot of uh, companies will have their company shirt and then that's like how they present is they'll be the blazer with the company shirt. And I had my Strange Things shirts when I had Strange Thing. So I was just like, well, shit, I'll wear my Strange Things shirt and a blazer and that'll be my, my outfit for film festivals. So it I seems started like doing such a, a typical like filmmaker film festival outfit, is which is really? why I ask. Yeah, I feel like <laughs> am I, <laughs> I a like walking stereotype? So... <laughs> <laughs> I do. I feel like I've seen so many filmmakers dressed like that. I was just kind of wondering like where that came from. I didn't know if that was like you trying to look like a filmmaker at a, at a film festival or it that... just came. It was more Naturally. like it was. It was more like I saw it being done in this entrepreneurial setting, and then mm. um, I had a shirt that I wanted to show off, but I still wanted to look nice when my movie is being played. So it's like, oh, well, here's the best of both worlds, you know? So well, I that's can... the thing. Why do you want to look nice for when your movie is being played? It's like, it's the same reason why David O. Russell wants to wear a suit to set, you know? It's like, I want to I wanna be respectful to the audience and respectful to my film. Like, I, I kind of feel like when you're at a film festival, it's like the film, <laughs> it's more than just a film. It's like a person, you know, and you like want to be there to support your film and like <laughs> be respectful to your film, you know, yeah. and it's like you do things to make sure your film is being treated properly. And I think part of it is dressing nice, you know, that's great. I don't know. Is that completely bonkers? You know, no, I think it's interesting. Um, all right. Well, I think uh, that kind of wraps up the thing. Is there anything else you want to talk about with this whole dealy presenting yourself? No, nah, I think I think that's it. it. 
wasn't like a to- a super deep conversation, but he was deep, oh. man. It was really super deep. deep. I think it was deep in the beginning, especially when we we're talking about this whole point, like filmmaker point of view, defining yourself as a filmmaker, and then kind of basically just saying that it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> but I think that's interesting. You know, um, no, nothing matters. Nothing matters. Nothing matters. Oh my everyone. gosh, we're so insignificant. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> do you uh, do you have anything to share this week? Anything that you want to talk about? Um, no, not that I can think of. Um, how about you? I just watched the Marvel Civil War Captain America trailer the other day, and I mm-hmm. mean, a million trillion people have already seen it, but I'm not going to post it on the show or anything. But uh, I, I I don't know. I really hated Age of Ultron. Um, I was just like super down on that movie, and I'm a uh-huh. huge like comic book superhero movie guy so watching that trailer kind of gave me hope for having another good marvel movie you know with the main people involved but yeah because after age of ultron i mean man i was just really wasn't wasn't feeling good about the the, the series necessarily <laughs> do you do you like those movies at all timothy or is that just not your deal uh i'll watch them but i'm not i'm not following them yeah yeah i'm not like excited when a new one comes out but i'll see him i'm like that's cool yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. I like that. Would you I watched, ever? Um, go ahead. Uh, no. Well, I was just gonna ask. Would you ever want to direct one one day? Hell yeah, that'd be fun. <laughs> but you don't. But they're okay. But you. But you'd still direct one. <laughs> yeah, I mean those kind of movies are fun. I I feel like I want to make movies that have a little bit more substance to them than that. But ouch. Um, ouch. But I think Burn. there's still opportunity. I think there's there's opportunity in any of those like big Hollywood franchises to do something cool. And time and time again, directors have shown us that they can still do something cool inside the system. So I don't think it's out of the question that you can you can do something with a little bit more substance yeah. with one of those movies. I think it just would take somebody getting in and, and pushing for it. Yeah. Um, well, well, like Dark the Knight, most, you know. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's a really great example of of somebody taking a franchise and making something really special with it. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, I feel like you can do something with it and I would love the opportunity. I think that especially given the amount of resources that go behind something like that, I feel like it would just be so much fun. You could just make some really cool stuff. Yeah, totally. Um, Take us out. You take us out. All right. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Help other people find us. Leave a review on iTunes or Stitcher. And uh, check out our new website, makingmoviesishard.com. On the website, you can subscribe to our show notes. And you can also start a conversation in the comment section. We, We love to have people talk in the comment section. It doesn't happen often enough, but when it does, it makes me excited. You can also send us an email at podcast at makingmoviesishard.com. All right. Well, have a great week, Timothy. Thank you for an amazing show. Yeah, thank you. We'll talk soon. All right. Bye-bye.